Welcome to Interviews by the Smart Chiropractor. This show is where Dr. Jason Deitch and myself, Jeff Langmaid, give you a front row seat to our conversations with the current influencers, future leaders, and fantastic people involved in our profession. Hey, Smart Chiropractors. Welcome to Interviews by the Smart Chiropractor. I'm Dr. Jeff Langmaid here with my co-host, Dr. Jason Deitch. Today, we have the opportunity to sit down with a new friend of ours, and he is the president of Joint Ventures, which own over 59 joint locations spread throughout five states. This is a man moving and shaking in this profession, no question about it. Dr. Chris Berkland. Chris, thanks for taking some time and chatting with us today. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. It is our pleasure. We were chatting pre-roll about the joint, some of the models, some of the docs it can attract, how it can be really a great career option for docs. Before we get there, I'd love to know, how do you get involved with the joint to begin with? Yeah, that will. Uh, thanks for asking. Um, you know, I, I went to Palmer West. Uh, my goal of going to Palmer West was to be a Palmer West graduate, like the sports chiropractic. I was the sports president there at that time, the ACA had a sports council. I'm not sure if they do now. I was one of the first um, to sort of participate as a student liaison to that. Um, great, great, great Tom Hyde. I mean, some of the best chiropractors that I've ever met, I got to spend time with. And when I got out, I was doing exactly what I wanted to do. I had a sports-oriented franchise, uh, or excuse me, sports-oriented training center um, that was a franchise. I had a chiropractic clinic attached to it. I was training youth athletes. I was seeing that type of a patient, triathletes and whatnot. I listened to your guys' podcast with Dr. Capo Bianco, one of my my heroes of the profession, and I was doing that. And, and it was rolling along, and I was having a good time with it. And along came a phone call from a, a past friend that had had a, um, a naturopathic facility here, and we had cross-referenced. And she said, hey, my brother's trying to open 90 chiropractic clinics. Would you like to meet him? He's looking for a chiropractor to run it. <laughs> Swear to God, that is exactly how it went. I thought, yeah, okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not stupid. Let's, let's have that conversation. She never said the joint. She just said, you know, that. And so I said, yeah, I'd love to you know, meet him. She goes, great. We still have a home in Phoenix. We're going to be down there. I'll introduce him, come over. I went and told my wife and my wife's exact comment was, no, 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 no. We had a vision and we're doing it. And I don't want to be married to someone who travels all the time. And I was like, no, that's, that's who knows? Let's go. So I go and meet um, this gentleman who owns the, our company, Joint Ventures. His name is Chris O'Neill. Great guy, young guy. And um, it was... Uh, just mutual respect right out the gate. I found out it was the joint and very, very honestly, I was like, mm, I don't, I don't know what I would bring to that. I, I am kind of outside of that philosophically, my education and everything was really just not, not the fit for me. And um, I really liked Chris. I really liked his vision. He wanted to create an organization that had a long-term vision and, and he, and he was a young guy trying to really develop something that had value. They had previously been in other healthcare or organizations with cannabis and, and surgery centers and other stuff. So they had a track record of doing things the right way. And, you know, it was interesting to me. So he said, hey, go meet this guy. His name is Dr. Steve Gubernick. Uh, Dr. Gubernick's a chiropractor here in Phoenix, and he had a joint clinic. And I went in, and true story, I walked into his clinic at 750 square feet, and I watched him, I sat in a small corner and I watched him see 49 patients in five hours. And previous to that, my experience would have been like, oh, he doesn't care about his people. And I'm telling you right now, I, I watched a gentleman who was fit, cyclist, golf, great guy, interact with his patients. And it was like a community. I saw business people come in and set their phone down, like, give me five minutes, I'm gonna get adjusted and then grab that phone and, and, and jet out. I saw 
you know, moms come in and stick their kids in their stroller, like, don't move. You stay right there, get an adjustment and leave. And it was a light bulb for me. It was, it was the reality that, you know, within chiropractic, you apply quality care and then, and that's your foundation. And then you can kind of take a look at, okay, what is the model? Is it a wellness model? Is it a PI work comp model? Is it a multidisciplinary model? As long as you have that quality of care and that purpose, then, then it can go. And the light bulb for me, as I was sharing with you guys pre-roll was, oh, wow, you know, this is something that, um, can be not just a job, but a career opportunity. You know, I, I'd been doing my little mom and pop thing and been happy, but I had a lot of classmates that were maybe not having as much success as I was financially, but they were better clinicians than me straight up, uh, better chiropractors, better adjusters. And, and I saw that as this opportunity. The other thing I saw is, you know, whatever I thought of the joint's reputation about what it was as clinicians or what it was as, a, as an entity, the people didn't think that, you know, the, the, the chiropractic profession, we had our opinions, but the people were like, I want this, I want this efficiency, I want this convenience. And um, that was early, that was 2015, the joint was still struggling a lot. And that was one of the reasons Joint Ventures was looking for a chiropractor to come in is the joint as a whole was not necessarily, it was growing, but it was struggling. Um, our organization, we had 25 clinics at the time, we we're losing a lot of money. And we were, you know, hiring chiropractors and you would just sort of say here here's a clinic go see patients there was no culture there's no structure there was no purpose or mission in my personal opinion no uniformity and that was really what what I came to and you know when I started here it was listen a lot because again Palmer West sports oriented what am I supposed to be bringing to the table and I was amazed right out the gate how many great chiropractors were in our organization you know we had about 40, maybe 35 at the time. Um, and I just listened and learned and tried to be the most perceptive person in the room, not the smartest. And I, and I started to recognize that again, you find quality and you can be successful with that. And so we started what we say is, you know, aggregating and filtering out these best practices. We call it joint ventures called the JV way and say, Hey, this is how people are being successful. So let's replicate it. Let's learn that, that process. And, um, you know, I think like anything, you have to be good at your craft, but how you treat people, the experience of your, your people who are working, the experience of your patients, um, is really, really important. Something that I've tried to help our clinicians um, and our and our clinical staff just understand that you know people will come to us because they have a problem right as chiropractors that's what we do we're, we're we're doctors but we at the joint want them to come to us because they want to come right so obviously in a wellness-based model we're trying to gain the trust of people and influence them towards getting a chiropractic adjustment when there is no reason to get a chiropractic adjustment aka no symptom and you know that requires trust it requires influence it requires education and to me it's the fun part right we get to adjust people and we love that um, but the connections that we can make is is really cool so that's that's how i got involved and um again i'm i'm i've really grown into yeah i would have been voted first you know last likely to show up at the joint palmer west graduate but <laughs> i i'm i'm passionate about it i've really seen what it can do. I believe in everything within our profession. I still, you know, people are like, so you don't believe in fascial stuff and stretching. I'm like, no, 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 no. I totally believe in that stuff. 
I absolutely agree. But we have to provide what we provide the patients and just be really great at it um, and, and, and be a part of the profession. Um, and that's what we're excited to do. So. I love it. It's admirable, Chris. Bravo to you. This is uh, not an easy thing for anybody. Certainly not an easy thing for a chiropractor to take on, make the transition from clinician to leader, uh, which is obviously what you have to be in order to be able to lead so many people. Beyond uh, what I'm going to say sort of is um, maybe the default, which is to care about people, connect with people, uh, have their best interest at heart. Beyond that part of being a human to human wanting the best for others, what do you believe are some of maybe the more strategic or tactical differences that you've learned in what you're doing that you believe leads to the success of your organization, of your practices, of your people that other chiropractors may not necessarily understand at this point or may be doing uh, differently, maybe even wrong, uh, based on what, you're, what you've learned and your success and experience? You know, great question. And I, and I answer it with total humility as if like we are honestly always trying to be our best and we have an approach in a way and we believe in it, but we're always open to, to learning. And, you know, to me, we mentioned this in pre-roll, right? It's sort of a cultural perspective that if you're a chiropractor, the the only path to success is to be entrepreneurial. And I, and I think that's fantastic. Um, I, I think anybody who's willing and wanting to, you know, brave out and, and have their own clinic and have their own approach should do that. Absolutely. We need always need that. Some people don't necessarily align with that. And so to me, if someone is going to be, quote unquote, an employee, we don't term them that way. We talk about team members and I look at our clinicians as partners. Um, you have to be able to provide them, in my personal opinion, with a path. I, I need to create a floor, but anytime we have clinicians hit a ceiling, I personally need to find out how that ceiling needs to go up. Um, we use this term in chiropractic called maintenance, and it's an awful term. Nobody likes to maintain anything. It's stasis, it's static, it's boring. So progress is what I think all people crave. Um, and so we always try to create you know, a process of progress and of growth. And, and support that. So, you know, as a leader, you had said, you know, I believe that nobody works for me, I work for them, right? I'm a servant leader, and I've got regional clinic directors and regional operation managers. And my approach is to find what they need to turn and go to our clinicians and our clinic directors and our people who are serving the patients and that that process going in the opposite direction of the traditional management type of an approach is something that is important to me to create um, because I, I have not seen patients today, right? So my clinics are out there seeing patients right now and I'm not participating in it. Um, so I have to very humbly uh, understand that it's my responsibility to give them the resources um, and the approach and the guidance of how to do that best and then allow them and empower them to go do that. And, and then so our organization is, you know, 59 clinics, 150 docs, about 300 employees. Um, we constantly talk about how we want individuals to be empowered. We want individuals to feel that process of ownership of with that patient and with the process. And so you have to acknowledge them. Um, you have to reward them. And reward isn't always financial. I mean, obviously, it needs to include that. And we definitely always want our individuals to be progressing in that space. Um, but it's a total package, right? It's it's both growth, it's both culture, it's compensation, it's all of those things. And 
And the interesting thing, in my opinion, Jason, is recognizing you don't want to pick and choose how you do that and, and create different systems for different people. But within your organization, some people are going to want things differently. Some people are going to be money motivated. Some people are going to be clinically motivated. To me, when you tie all of it to service, to service of the patient, the rest is a byproduct, right? So if we treat our patients well, we believe in our mission, we communicate why we do what we do. Some patients are going to adhere to that. Some patients are not. That doesn't matter, right? We want to succeed, but our, our message and our mission is important, and we try to win it as much as we can. And some, some are not going to accept it, and some are going to try different things or try different modalities, and that's okay. Um, as long as we're confident in our approach, we can live with that. And, and then anything that is post that, revenue, profit, pay, all of that will take care of itself. And, and I think that, um, you know, sometimes as a business owner, we get lost in that, um, you know, or mistaken of what's important. But it, it is really in a, it, it, the best way in a healthcare model to approach. We're not selling cell phones here, right? Like we're, we're treating people. No doubt about it. Let's talk service delivery for a moment. Uh, Jason and I have been discussing a lot around patient first recurring revenue, membership programs, things like that, that tie into our book, The Payday Practice. We know that membership, our understanding is that membership is a core tenant of what goes on within the joint locations. I, I'd love to just hear insight. I'll leave it relatively open-ended. I'd love to hear insight into how you think about and or approach membership services within your locations. So I was just in clinics yesterday, um, clinics that we have just acquired. And um, I, I said this to one of our wellness coordinators, our front desk, we term them wellness coordinators. I said, ultimately for me, when we're not selling plans and packages, we're not selling memberships, we're selling chiropractic, right? How our patients pay for it is really irrelevant to me. Now that's somewhat of a facetious statement because the reality is if you pay as you go, you're not going to be coming as frequently as you probably should, whether that's the treatment plan on the acute side or, you know, weekly or monthly or whatever we're asking of that patient. So in order, right, of people who adhere to the guidance of the chiropractor, it is memberships. And then it is people who buy packages, right? This is like a, you know, a, a bulk discount for, for what you're paying for or pay as you go. So clearly we care how they pay, but that's kind of our approach, right? Like we want them to commit to the care and then at the end of the day, show them, hey, listen, you came, you have this issue going on with you, and this is the solution to that problem, this many visits over this much time. And then as we go, we move into sort of this uh, routine, which is a big word for us, um, process by which you get care on a weekly or biweekly, whatever the doctor discusses. And the monthly membership is the most affordable way to do that. And, and so, you know, memberships are something that are widely accepted. I've, I've seen statistics, you know, the average American has X amount of memberships and it differs by state and, and whatnot, but we're very comfortable with these things, both in healthcare and streaming devices and car. Well, I haven't got a car wash membership, right? Um, so I think that that's, that's um, acceptable, but the reality is, is that it's a, it's a form of payment. Um, so when you focus in on that service of whatever that payment is. As I tell my team, if you get four visits for our membership fee, if someone comes four times, they're very unlikely to cancel a membership. If they come three, uh, because we are a no appointment model. So you can become an anonymous in our model. You can kind of 
hide in the shadows. Um, and so we put a lot of onus on the, on the patient to come in. If you come in twice, you're a little bit more likely to cancel than the three. And if you come in once or zero, then you're, you're kind of, why am I doing this? You know, so ultimately to provide someone a membership, uh, to get them to commit to that initially is, is an important part of, let's say the business process. Um, but clinically making sure that that value is elevated um, and, and a part of their daily routine or weekly routine or monthly routine is important. And whether you believe we're in a recession or you believe inflation or anything, um, we talk a lot about priorities, you know? So if someone comes in and they have the new iPhone 14 and they're driving a really nice, you know, Nissan Altima and they tell us we can't afford this fair, but it's ultimately because you're not prioritizing you know, your health, or you don't believe that we're of the right value. And and in this inflation space, like anything, if you are a business or a chiropractor who already has memberships, what I'm talking to my teams about is that we just need to be the last in line. We need them to want to cancel Netflix before they cancel their joint membership. We need to want to cancel that, that nail appointment. So whatever it is in that membership space, you do have that reoccurring nature of it, but it's not something that you set and forget it. And then that person pays you forever. It's an ongoing service process that you have to manage. Can you speak to, I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I would just want to make sure, you know, we, we spoke about how many chiropractors are really clinicians posing as entrepreneurs. They just don't <laughs> have the entrepreneurial spirit. They're really great clinicians, great human beings, great doctors who want to help people. As an entrepreneur yourself, can you speak to the benefit of the confidence of that recurring revenue every month as opposed to what an overwhelming majority of the profession seems to think uh, the status quo, uh, you know, current model of, you know, I don't want to push those things on people, but it's at the expense of the chiropractor always needing new patients. What can you say about, from your perspective, as a business owner, somebody who understands the finances, understands the reality yeah. of overhead and, you know, salaries, et cetera, about how important it is to have that recurring revenue come in each and every month, knowing that it's actually, as you just said, the way to give people the best access to your care. Yeah, uh, well, thanks for calling me an entrepreneur. I always kind of think of myself as a small business owner. Mo Mom and dad barely got out of high school and, and just kind of taught me that you can kind of do your own thing. So uh, thanks for that. that well, your, your website, people should know your website says 60,000 monthly adjustments. Yeah, um, I think we're going to do 90 this month. So we're okay. <laughs> but um, I, you know, yes. So um reoccurring revenue and, and, and a firm thing, Jason, I really believe, like I've said before, I think chiropractic is growing as a profession. And what's really interesting to me as we grow as a profession, and I am very pro all aspects of chiropractic, whether that is PI work comp, whether that is an interdisciplinary clinic with other clinicians, a mom and pop health, you know, uh, uh, use um, insurance type of place or the joint or whatever it is. I believe that there are more patients out there than we have chiropractors to see. I was just at the Wave at Life West, and we we're talking about the math of this thing. And man, we need five times more chiropractors than we have. And I, I want to help that come across as a positive way. Go to school, invest three and a half years, take that debt, and there will be opportunity. It might be entrepreneurial. It might be employment. It might be something else. But we have that opportunity if we continue to move this thing forward. 
So with that said, I definitely believe if you're a PI work comp clinic, you know, hey, do what you do best. I, I, we funnel out all PI work comp. Like I always tell you, if you're a PI work comp clinic in some of our markets, you need to call us because we're sending a lot of money out the door because we know what we are and we know what we're not. Now, the space in between that interdisciplinary mom and pop space is, I think, is what you're talking about most, right? How does that individual supplement some of their income, you know, with reoccurring revenue? And, and absolutely, you know, I think some of my joint chiropractic brethren would say, shut your mouth, stop talking. That's our space. <laughs> but again, I, I, as I told you guys before, I believe in abundance. I believe in there's more patients out there than we can handle. So I want, I want those, we're sending patients. Someone says, I want to use my insurance. I want to send you a patient. All right. I would love for you to send them back. If you don't, we'll, we'll find more too, and we'll continue to grow this whole thing and, and rising tide will lift all boats. But absolutely. What I can tell you is I talk to clinicians all the time and they say, I'm very patient oriented, very patient centric. And then I go, how do you do things? Oh, this is how I do things. And I go, well, so if the patient doesn't want that and we, we do math, we do metrics and analyze things. And I always tell hey guys, this isn't cold hearted stuff. This is the patient's grades. This is a patient grading us on how we're doing. And so if you have patients that are coming off of injuries and you want that to continue with them, yes, that monthly membership model um, is an opportunity for you to supplement it. Now, very honestly, too, you have to figure out how that logistically enters into your business, right? So if I had to take on 500 office visits per month that were, you know, multimodality, it would alter how I would be seeing the 2000 office visits in the other way. So I absolutely believe that as you guys, and, and I think you guys, as you shared with me in the beginning, have some real clear and good ways of supporting doctors of how to get there. Um, so I'm, I'm more or less supporting the fact that it's beneficial, but you have to, as anything, and, and, and if you own your own clinic and you're smart and you're entrepreneurial, you'll figure it out, but don't just want it, Right want it and then structurally integrate it into your clinic so that um, that convenience and that efficiency that comes with routine. And I will promise you, you know, we joint chiropractic, chiropractic, the most important word for me in our philosophical model is routine. And that's what we do, right? Um, there are a lot better places if you're in if you're in pain and you need to get out of pain fast and you need more than chiropractic, there's probably better places to go. Sometimes, sometimes we do a great job. We really, really exceed when we take that patient who says, I'm in pain, and we teach them that chiropractic can help get them out of pain, but then utilize that on a reoccurring basis, a routine basis for the rest of their life. And some will and some won't. Doesn't mean they shouldn't do yoga. Doesn't mean they shouldn't stretch. Doesn't mean they shouldn't, you know, tape their knee if they're going to go out and do a long run with rock tape. Shout out to Dr. Capo. Um, but for me, the foundation is, is that nothing replaces an adjustment. And we've just uncoupled all that other stuff and said, hey, we'll want to provide that. So to me, that reoccurring approach, you got to just structure. And it sounds like you guys have a very solid you know, game plan of how to help docs do that. Thanks, Chris. I know we are going to be up against it momentarily. You have been awesome. It has been awesome to connect with you. We'd love to invite you back in the future. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. 
Thank you for listening to Interviews by the Smart Chiropractor. Join us again next week for another episode and leave us a review when you have a moment. This episode has been brought to you by the Smart Chiropractor. The Smart Chiropractor can deliver more new patients, better retention, and more consistent reactivations to your practice without spending any money on paid advertising. Learn more and get started today at thesmartchiropractor.com.